0: Welcome to the Franchise Freedom Podcast. I'm your host Giuseppe Gramatico, your franchise guide, and today we have a two very special guests. We're we're we're, we're changing things up this year. We have Zach Butler and Josh Skulnick. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, Giuseppe. Yeah, look at, looking forward to. We've we've been talking about having you guys on the show, and and looking forward to. Learning a little bit more about horsepower. So, um, horsepower brands. If you guys can maybe give us, uh, we'll start with Zach a little little bit of, of background and kind of how you got to, to to horsepower. You know, maybe a little bit of kind of a kind of a history and tell us a little bit about uh, what horsepower brands does.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, it's coming up on 15 years for me in franchising. Uh, I started. I got to college and I started working at a nutrition store that uh, um, had about five, had five corporate locations. Uh, two weeks later, everybody quit. I became the manager and uh, decided that I was good at that and uh, did that for a few years. They began franchising and I wanted to go out and take charge of my own destiny. And I moved to Florida, opened my first franchise location when I was 20. I opened up uh, six more locations in two years, built it up to $6 million or $8 million in revenue. And then the Amazon came into that industry, shook it all up. I wasn't furthering myself really got overleveraged and end up losing everything. So I was one of the franchisees that uh, did hit rock bottom filed bankruptcy and had to completely figure out what I was gonna do next. A franchisee at the time had around 10 locations, and they needed uh, some skill sets in, in in sales and marketing, which was my really what I was good at. Uh, I'll never forget, I negotiated a $22,000 annual salary for equity in future locations. I think the brand I think the idea then was to do two to three locations max a year. And we were able to grow that to, uh, up to 68 locations in three years, doing $40 million in revenue. Nice. And uh, got to that point, sold my equity. I got into franchise development, and I started with this really weird brand. Uh, and it was called Monster Tree Service, and that's how I, w- I met uh, uh, my business partner, uh, Josh Golnick, who's on here. So I'll let him take it from there
2: yeah so zach said uh he's got 15 years in franchising i've got 10 at this point i feel i learn a little faster than him so that's that's why we're at the same point together at this point um took him about five years in that 15 year journey to drop his training wheels but uh you know we're having a ton of fun as zach said we met actually in 2017 a lot of people ask us how did you how did you two meet and it's actually in a pool in cancun at a franchise conference in june of 2017 and uh, we've literally just been off to the races since then. Um, Zach took over the development when I relaunched Monster Tree Service, which was my first franchise brand, and um, I learned a lot early on with that business, where I had awarded about twenty-eight to thirty franchise locations, and quickly realized that I did not have the back of the house set up properly to support those franchisees. Paused development for a few years, and something I learned about Zach and I is we're never afraid to talk about failures because. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of experience that comes from them and really helps pave the way for the future. So after shutting development down for two years, relaunching, Zach and I teamed up. He did development, did an excellent job. Uh, we grew that to 240 franchise locations and along the way actually acquired another brand, which you're familiar with, Giuseppe Redbox Plus, mm-hmm. which had four locations back in June of 18 when I acquired the business. Zach took on development with a small team of people to run that brand up to 305 franchise units in three in three years. One of the things that we're extremely proud of about uh, the way we do franchise development is we actually open all of the locations we award. And in Redbox Plus, we opened all of the locations we sold. And those individuals are still in the business today mm-hmm. even post transaction after we've sold you know, both Monster Tree Service and Redbox Plus to focus our time and efforts on horsepower brands. So today we're focused on building service brands under the horsepower umbrella. We've got a lot of intellectual capital at our organization. We hired over a hundred people in 2021. Majority of our staff is actually in in person at our corporate office in Omaha, Nebraska. We have very few uh, remote employees because we really believe in culture. And we think that culture is really built uh, best when we can all interact in the office together. And so uh, we're on a mission to develop 25 franchise concepts and verticals by 2025. And we'll explain a little bit more about that later in the show as we share what we're doing with not only the franchise brands we have today, the acquisitions we're making, and the way that we're launching vendor verticals to support our franchisees—that's
0: awesome. No, and I, and I appreciate that when you when you, we you know you, you always hear about the good, you never hear about the bad. And I think uh, when when people give experience, they should say, "I have twenty-five years, twenty years successful, five <laughs> five years of losses." But I think that's that's how we learn, and that's the, the the beauty of a franchise, right? You you evolve, you develop, you learn from your mistakes, and it, it makes the the brand so much stronger, and we we learned so much during during COVID. Uh, specifically, the, the franchise companies that really stepped up to help their franchisees, and I always say that you, you don't have too many opportunities to really go back to the companies and say what 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 happened during COVID. Where did the or step up? And I, I you know use that as an advantage for people looking that uh, to, to open up a franchise now. So. Uh, some really good points. So big big plans for uh, for Horsepower. Tell us, uh, I guess, Zach, um, tell us about, you know, the, the brands you have today and where you're looking to be. Uh, Josh had mentioned 25 brands. So uh, where where do you kind of what's that time frame and what, what are the brands today?
1: Yeah. So I think it's important that Josh and I, we only operate at one speed and that's as aggressively fast as we can pull our team along. And so everything that we've done together has been uh, an aggressive growth rate. That's how we're built. And uh, at this point in our in our careers, we've really understood and are self aware to know how to set things up to do that successfully. Right. Uh, so our goal is to have 25 concepts by the year 2025. And for the us, that could be a franchise brand or a supporting vendor or vertical. So as of today, uh, we have uh, four uh, brands. Uh, three of which were active, and one is getting ready to launch in the next few weeks. But it's Mighty Dog Roofing, which is uh, in uh, the residential uh, 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 roofing repair and replacement. We have Blingle, which is outdoor lighting, which is a a landscape lighting, uh, holiday lighting, and event lighting. We have uh, iFoam, which is spray foam insulation, blown insulation, and then the removal and replacement of old insulation. Mm are uh, then, then our newest one, which I think Josh and I are really excited about, is an executive only model uh, in the landscaping space called Heroes. And that's going to offer fertilization, uh, iteration of the lawn, irrigation repair, and dog or me, pet waste removal. So we'll have three home services that are all kind of link together that can be run with residual revenue. Uh, but that's for the brands, and then we have what we grow our brands at a very aggressive rate. A lot of times, it's it's difficult for our vendors to keep up with us, as far as have them having enough staff and capital to to scale. And we found that with our digital marketing agency, who had, we had gotten fantastic results with. Um, we, I mean, we we're adding so many franchises, so so many franchisees, and so many brands at such a rate, we would have to work with three or four or five marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. So we made the decision to acquire controlling interest, move the leadership team to Omaha, and invest in, heavily in growing the infrastructure of that concept. Uh, we have lights for christmas which for our uh, blingo location our blingo franchise we import uh, all of the lights for the franchisees so when we launched that brand we invested about 10 million dollars in importing lights from asia and then we have powerhouse call solutions which is our in-house call center and
0: and and i've been hearing quite a bit of that bringing bringing things in-house to your point i heard i heard a lot of that at the conference when we spoke and um, bringing things in house makes things a lot um, a lot simpler, right? To be able to work within all the brands, Josh, t- talk talk to us a little bit about. So, so someone is looking at investing in in, in a Mighty Dog franchise. Um, a lot of your brands are are, are going to complement one another. So, if you have a a customer that you've just done a roof for, they may be interested in in holiday lighting and things like that, or, or insulation. Um, the typical person that's, that's looking at one of your franchises, do they, do they typically look wide, you know, with one brand and looking at a a larger territory, or are they looking to kind of stay close to where they live and, and, and stack and just kind of add brands to their existing business?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Giuseppe. But before I answer that, I want to just back up and add one thing. When you hear 25 by 2025, and Zach just spoke about seven of the brands that were active by the end of 2021 you might think are these guys really going to get to 2025 by 2025 and we did 28 percent of the work in 2021 so we're well on track to achieve our goals and and then make a decision at that point where do we continue from there but when we get into what people are really looking for from a candidate perspective when they get involved our brands, we really set them up. With the exception of our latest one, Heroes, where they will cater to either a semi-absentee or an owner-operator type business owner. And so we really set that up because we don't we don't want it, the brands to be built to where they're so specific that they they're sort of a niche to this niche buyer. We really, you know, can make our brands work with just about anybody. But what we find. We largely attract with our empire mentality of really moving fast and building big things is that we get empire builder clients, high net worth individuals that are looking to diversify their portfolio Mm -hmm. by investing in a brand that they know is going to bring them to launch very quickly. Some of our franchisees have had businesses in the past and recognize very quickly in our development process the value that we bring to the table as an organization to help them truly focus on the things that make them money in the business, and that's sales and production. A few of our businesses are sales and marketing models where the production of what we have to actually do out in the field is either managed through subcontractors and or in-house employees, which are then recruited by our internal recruiting department that helps to find the right people for our franchisees to staff their organizations. So it comes back to that premise of the franchisee truly focusing on what makes them money, sales and marketing. Um, but as we continue to grow and we look at these models that were really targeted as, from an acquisition standpoint, we've got a targeted list that we look at, you know, complementary services. Mm-hmm. If you think of a franchisee that buys Mighty Dog Roofing, you know, why would they buy an iPhone business to go along with that? Because a lot of times issues on the roof can start substructure where there's things going on in the attic. The attic's properly, you know, improperly insulated or there's poor ventilation, whatever it might be. So we can correct the issues from the source. And when you're in the home addressing these items, there's a very easy cross-sell opportunity. And then on top of all of that, we've got creative financing options to all of our services that we offer in-home. And we also service the commercial sector and all of these industries. We just start residential, so we're dealing directly with the purchasing agents who can make a quick decision decision to build a strong foundational revenue and customer base to really be able to go out and farm those commercial projects that are very large in scale. So our consumer finance options allows our customers to finance a much larger project or a multi-brand project within their home, as opposed to saying, hey, this year we're going to do the roof. Next year we'll address the insulation issues or we'll hire you to handle the lawn outside of the house as well, along with the irrigation and the pet waste removal or whatever services they might need on their home. But the typical client we're touching uses all of these services at some point in their lifetime.
0: Right. And, t- and take and taking advantage of that. Right. I mean, just the client acquisition costs, I think the being able to go back to your existing customers is huge. Uh, solve, you know simplifies it quite quite a bit. And uh, you don't have to go constantly look for new customers. Um, what did not we talk about? So who who? Like, you know, when we go specific wise, uh, they, someone looks at Mighty Dog Roofing. Um maybe they don't know too much about the opportunity uh, a lot of the audience listening in are corporate execs right so they're they're looking to own their first business whether it's a franchise or non they come to they come and listen to the show listening just about funding options the types of businesses the advantages of franchising so we talk about just about everything so who is the ideal candidate because you know the feedback I get being on on you know kind of my side is well I don't have any experience i'm a wall street guy i've never fixed my own roof or patched a roof or i i know nothing about i don't e- i don't even i know nothing about insulation the insulation came with the house so do at what point th- does any type of experience is, is any of that required prior to, to looking at any of the brands so I'll, uh, I'll let zach take that one it's
1: great it's a great question and uh, here's what we've learned uh with you know we've done we're doing brands now that in tree us you look at uh the roll-off industry for Redbox, the roofing, what we learned is the best franchisees have absolutely no experience on the subject, but they come with a level of acumen of business, people management, customer service. That type of experience is typically only learned where they're buying a franchise to follow a process in an industry. That's our job. So with Mighty Dog Roofing, we do not allow people from the roofing industry to be a franchisee for that same reason. And he, here's, where this, here's where this makes sense in my mind. We look to acquire different companies and franchises in industries that are very competitive. There's a large consumer demand, but the competition that services those customers is extremely fragmented. And mm-hmm. if you use roofing for an example, uh, there is lots of roofers in every single city across the country. It's a service that's seen in all 50 states. It's the largest average ticket on the home, but it's the it's the least trusted industry. Mm. Uh, well, if we take people from Wall Street, or from an executive role, put them in with a better, more transparent process designed to trade cu- trust with their customers, they're going to be able to run this business at a much higher level than someone say that uh, installed roofs for a living did prior,
0: right? And, and would you say that sometimes having the experience um, is, is a negative in that they're not open. Have you seen this? Not open to the ways, so to, to the system. So I've worked in commercial cleaning and building maintenance, and a lot of times those people were doing set a certain way of doing it for the last 15, 20 years, and it was difficult to kind of learn the new ways. Have you, have you noticed that as well?
1: I'll let Josh uh, tell you about Monster Tree from his personal experience on this one.
2: Yeah, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, in Monster Tree, we made the mistake of awarding two franchise. Locations to people with experience, and mm-hmm. neither one of those individuals are still in that business today, um, and it didn't take them long to fall flat on their face because they continuously buck the system. It's like, you know, follow the process. We hear it all the time in, in sports, and it's no different in franchising. There's a recipe that works, and it's proven time and time again across the country. It's mm-hmm. revolutionized. It's continuously refined, and no one individual is going to come in and revolutionize the entire system and change everything up to make it that much better. Um, you know, you just have to get into it and be very focused on following that process. We always say the number one trait that any candidate has to have is they have to be coachable. They've got to have an open mm-hmm. mind. What Zach and I have learned through franchise development is the fact that the way somebody acts in a process is a, cl- is a clear indication on the way that they'll act as a business owner. And I'm sure you've probably seen this yourself with working with candidates. Those that are constantly challenging you mm-hmm. <clears throat> on the expertise that you have, you spend a lot of time with people like ourselves learning the brands. If I was someone looking to get involved with a franchise, I'd be extremely grateful of the knowledge that someone like yourself brings to the table with you know just the number of hour, countless hours you're investing to learn about all these brands. Even taking the time to do this show with us today to take a deeper dive into our business beyond the time that we spend together at your different events that you put on around the country.
0: It's a lot to learn, but you know, ultimately that, that's it, right. It's all, it's all about the match. And that's why we, we love what we do. It's finding that match, but to your point, right. Some people just, it's kind of like, if they can't follow the basic process that we go through, probably not, not the best fit for a franchise because the franchise is going to have the exact same same process. They're going to want to make sure it's, as I always say in my consultations, it's a two-way street. You want to make sure they feel you're a good fit, you feel they're a good fit. So it, it's it's always that two-way street, and which is which is a good thing. You know, the franchisor wants nothing but for you to be successful, uh, as we want each of our candidates to be successful. So we want to find you know, out of maybe two or three companies, we want to find that perfect franchise that'll get them to, to where they want to be. Uh, which which brings up this is something we 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 talk about on on some of the other shows, but. What is the number one reason franchisees fail, regardless of how strong the system is? What's the, the number one reason? And J- Josh pretty much answered this already. It's, it's, I'm going to
2: say it's two things. Number one, okay. not following the process. Mm-hmm. But the second one is it's a dual mistake that is made at times. When a franchisor is anxious to want to get people into their business, Mm -hmm. they make concessions on the financial requirements of the individuals coming in. And so we find that the second piece that really causes people to fail is just the access to capital or, you know, just illiquidity. Uh, You know, we, one one of the things that we do very well, when we build out all of our opportunities and we continually refine them is we have a higher level investment range than everybody else in our category. And so some of the brands we're in, we're the only ones in the category. But in others, there's multiple other opportunities in that same category. And our offering will be substantially more from a item seven perspective, not because we think it's worth more, but it's because we're being very transparent in what it's really going to take to build and scale this business. We are not firm believers that people are going to put $100,000 down on a business and buy a business for $100,000 and get that, you know seven, eight, nine-figure return on a business that they want to get out of it. We all want to make millions of dollars sure. in everything that we do, but we've got to be willing to make the investment up front. So we front load a lot of expenses as well, which then again helps people achieve profitability much faster in our businesses. And do we lose people because of the investment ranges we set in our item seven? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're not going to discount that. We're not afraid to talk about it. But i tell you what, the people that have the stomach and the ability to, to stomach the larger investment are are the ones that are going to get in and the reason why we're seeing such great success in our franchisees because we're not having people look at us and say you didn't tell me it was going to cost this much or you know i didn't realize i was going to have to get this much financing to get into this business or whatever it might be it's just very transparent and that's exactly the way zach and i do everything and the way that we lay out every opportunity
0: yeah you know you nailed it and that transparency is key and I always say to everyone, when you look at the investment, when you look at the royalty, when you when you look at everything, look at what you are getting in in return. Um, I've had people come back, well, this is 5%. This is 8%. I go, that means absolutely nothing. You haven't had a call yet. Speak, speak with the franchise company. Find out what you're getting for that royalty. Because in many cases, they're bundling quite a few things. And you don't need someone answering the phones because they have a call center. You don't need an in-house marketer because they're taking that you know, for for the small percentage they're charging, it's going to be impossible to find someone in-house for yourself to to hire that marketing person. So transparency is key. And um, I, I appreciate your honesty as well. You know, being very selective on who you want as a franchisee, uh, you know, if, if the franchisor is constantly throwing in things, lowering prices, doing things that that's to me is just not not the best of signs. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So you know, you know, who's a good fit. You kind of like, I have a ideal fit as to, uh, you know, corporate executives looking to make a transition. I have that right on my, my LinkedIn, right on my website. You kind of have your, if I'm not mistaken, a, almost like a franchise, ideal franchise avatar, someone that is your ideal franchisee from set to, to financial requirements and things like that. And you just want those people to buy additional territory, refer friends just like them, uh, as you, you expand the business. So I, I, um, I appreciate that. And, and that does take a lot because I've noticed um, in my past and working with other companies, I've noticed that the the requirements were, were pretty low in order to, you know, make it a little bit more attractive. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So uh, that is good to know. We recently
2: um, had a situation where we were awarding two territories to a franchisee and he was talking to a competitive brand in the same space. And the uh, competitive brand actually offered him the entire state for less money than he was paying for two territories to us. And it was a huge red flag to him. And in the end, ultimately he landed in our system and him and his son are doing really well in the business. And um, it's just amazing. As you said, some of the things that you'll see, you'll see out there, Uh, you know, our process we follow is truly an awards process. You know, we, we want to work with you just as bad as you want to work with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're we're looking at culture. You know, Zach and I would tell you, it's the same thing in our hiring process. It's the same thing in the way that we interact with franchisees. Zach always tells the story of one of our first discovery days we did together. And, you know, Zach's, Zach's you know, the director of development and he brings these people and he's, he's excited, he's got people there. He's, you know, we're gonna get some deals closed. And one of the guys, probably the highest net worth guy in the room, most qualified guy on paper in the room, Zach says, what do you think? I'm like, Zach, there's no way I wanna take a call from that dude. Like just, he's not a culture fit. It right. doesn't matter if he's got the money. It doesn't matter if he's got the experience in business. He's not a guy I want to be dealing with, you know? And so for us, it's it's a big part about about culture too, because it's a long-term relationship. And at the end of the day, we want to see, we want to coach you. We want to see you grow. We want to see you develop. We want to see you be a multi-brand owner too. We don't want you to just come in and do one brand. We want you to build a portfolio to where you can build legacy wealth for you and your family for years to come.
0: I like that. What you know, you you guys have been in franchising, you've been in business a while. A while so, people that are making that that step from corporate exec, whatever they're doing, right? They're they're working uh, for a big corporation, miserable, just not not liking what they do. Want the financial freedom and and the flexibility, like we all we all. Uh, like we all want. What, you, what advice do you give to, to that person in, in making that, that leap? Because it, it, it is scary. You know, we've, we've all been there. I've been there. You know, what, what, what advice do you give to that, that person looking to make the, the leap into business ownership? I
2: use the phrase shoulda, coulda, woulda.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, everybody at some point in their life falls victim to shoulda, coulda, woulda. And so you got to be willing to take the leap of faith. Um, actions speak louder than words. You can sit there and complain. Like One of the things Zach and I say to people, when they complain about something, our first question is, well, what have you done to fix it? And what you quickly realize is they've done nothing. Right. They continue to waste time and energy to complain about something or talk about a problem they have in their life, but they've invested nothing into fixing it. There's a solution to every problem. And so if you're in a position where you're working for somebody, And you hate your job you hate the people you're working with you don't enjoy the culture then make an impact and make a change and business ownership might be the right fit for you and if you say well maybe now's not not the right time there's never going to be a right time and so i always tell the story of you know the success zach and i have had over the years in multiple businesses and we speak openly about failure even with as much success as we've had along the way Every new business venture comes with the same level of fear Mm -hmm. that we had as the first one. The level of confidence is increased because we've got the experiences that we bring to the table, but we put the same effort into everything we do, regardless of whether it was our first business venture or our 10th one. And we will not be satisfied until we reach the pinnacle of success. And in franchising, for us, it's seeing happy, successful franchisees Mm -hmm. reaching their goals.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah, Zach. <laughs> I think I'll add Josh. So Josh and I grew up in blue uh, collar households. We didn't come for money, but both of our parents owned businesses that we grew up in. So Dad, or Josh's dad did hardwood floors, mine owned a livestock auction barn. And there's uh, there's a feeling that you have uh, in a family-owned business that's hard to explain. And there's a level of pride that, that uh, you can tell that your family has for that business. And there's, uh, you know, I think we're both Josh and I are extremely proud of our of our fathers for what they've built and the work ethic that they've the work ethic they've installed for us. So, some people look at starting a business as legacy, as your kids might take over this business, and I don't think that's a good way to think about it. But what you can give your family to grow up in a business where they can help participate, learn better skills, mm-hmm. improve themselves is so important. Uh, and I and it. And I try to on calls. I said, I can't. There's no way I can explain how important it is to me, on what I learned in that process. But the biggest reason they don't do this is because of fear. And I am somebody that took the leap, and it came crashing down, and it got is, it, it went back to zero. It doesn't get any worse. And I was extremely young. Mm-hmm. But you always, I always love to ask the question. What if it doesn't work? What's the exit? What's the James Bond plan right. to get out of this thing? And you find it's not as bad as you think.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I like that. Now, go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah. So that, that, but I mean, the Josh should have, could have, would have 10 years from now, you'll look back and you'll be like, I made the decision. I stuck to my guns and I did it. And here were the benefits of, of that hard work that I put in.
2: Well, like most, that. M- some of the most successful people you meet in life, Giuseppe have hit rock bottom at some point, whether that be financially, personally, emotionally, whatever it is. So one of the questions you got to ask yourself as you're looking to get into business, have you ever hit rock bottom? Because to Zach's point, what's the worst that happens if this doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. But guess what? In my opinion, if you haven't hit rock bottom or been stung in some way at some, at some point in your life thus far, then you're not taking big enough risk and you need to be willing to make yourself vulnerable and, and take that risk. Because if you look around you, every successful person has a story of where they fell flat on their face. And if you don't have your story yet, you better get to work and start building one.
0: I like that. I like that. That's definitely going to be, we're going to, we're going to make a quote out of that. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, quote you on that. I, I I too, as well. And I agree 110%. I grew up in the Italian restaurant, uh, you know, business with, with my family and what I learned at a very young age. um, Can't learn that in school. Can't learn that anywhere else. So, when people talk about their idols and they throw all these athletes out, which I'm not sure why some of these people are considered their idols, but that's fine. I I look at my family, you know, they started from nothing. And when we talk about fear, I, I, I can never compete with them. They're like, well, we came from Italy. You didn't even speak English. And it's just like, what are you complaining about? And I'm just yeah. like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like you, well, I learned English when I was six or seven, but still when I, I was able, I, I I spoke English. You're like you're a hundred times ahead of where we were, but I think, I think that's crucial. I think, you know, growing up in that is, is a big plus you can't, you can't learn that it's, it's uh, you got to go through the experience, but, um, absolutely. That's some, that's some really good advice. Probably some of the best advice, uh, we've had so far and we're 80, 83 episodes in. So we're looking at uh, hitting a hundred very soon here as we're, as we're recording. So, um, I always like to end off interesting fact about you. Um, Zach, I think it was Zach or one you, uh, or was it Josh talking about how you met in the pool? I don't know if that's an interesting fact or story, but we're going to keep it clean. So my my kids listen to the show as well. So if there's a, I'm I'm joking. If any any parties or anything anything crazy, but if there's an interesting, funny fact, business, other business that you may own, Zach, I'll I'll, I'll let you uh, kick it off. Yeah, we
1: own um we own. So Josh and I do businesses outside of horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we operate a, a cattle farm. We we sell beef online, uh, and so my uh, my wife and family are involved in that. And then uh, I'll end it with uh, just a statistic of let Josh go. So on that legacy, growing up in a family business, we hired over a hundred people in the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. And here's how and the the amount of resumes that we looked at, where we actually looked at the college and where they went to, or even if they went, was zero. And we we hired people from two hundred fifty thousand, you know, and up to fifty thousand and above. So, uh, you know, we didn't look at where they went to college or if they even graduated college, uh, as far as the benefit there. But uh, life experience is definitely the future. Mm-hmm.
2: From my perspective, Giuseppe, a few um, first one is a lot of people don't realize uh, I've never worked for anybody in my life, uh, never never went to college, and. Now that my wife and I are married 11 years, one of the things I always tell people is that uh, we're in the same boat and the same mindset, but we're rowing in different directions. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on building wealth and helping other people build wealth when my wife's rowing in the opposite direction, trying to give it away to charities. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's always a, it's always an interesting one that we have a good laugh about. But um, as Zach said, and I mentioned earlier in the show, we we hire people, we award franchises to people based on culture and a feeling. It doesn't matter to us what's on the paper, uh, on the resume. Um, I can tell you personally myself, I do not review resumes before I interview people. Zach is the same way. And, and we've been able to really develop some fantastic people. You've interacted with many of them in our development department, and we'll continue to do that. And you know, for us, we just wanna to continue to live out our dream of helping people realize the benefits of business ownership, but most importantly, build their own dream and take control of their financial future and make sure that they're in the driver's seat. You know, at some point, you know, most people have spent time and invested a portion of their life to building somebody else's dream. I think it's time more of us start focusing on our own dreams.
0: Awesome. Well said, and we'll, we'll leave it off there guys. I really, really appreciate your time. I know you have a million things going on. So uh, thanks again for, for being on the show. Looking forward to having you back on, and if anyone has any questions on any of the brands, you can always leave a comment, send us an email, I'll be more than glad to, uh, to set up an introduction. So thanks again, guys, and uh, have a great weekend.
2: Thank you.